Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, the Gabby Gryffindor. And I'm Katie, the Snarky Slytherin. And together, we are the crazy crazy co-hosts of Just Keep Rolling. Speaking of, let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 12, Professor Umbridge, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. Ron has already had enough first-day homework to last him a lifetime, and the odds that he won't get any more are pretty slim. Harry starts the school year outright by testing the fuck out of the new teacher. Not since Trelawney has Hermione found a teacher to be so inept. Umbridge seems to forget what a magic school is supposed to teach. Luckily for her, she also doesn't care. And McGonagall tries to quell Harry's anger with baked goods, just like all badasses do. During episode 139, aggressively cheeky, our Potter pondering was... Would you have been able to keep your head down and control your temper with Pepto Bitchmall? Or would you have been aggressively cheeky like Harry? Hi there, support Padre here, calling in my Potter pondering this week, asking if I would be as cheeky as Harry was to Umbridge. As a 15-year-old? No, absolutely not. I would have put my head down and listened to what she said even if I didn't agree with it. Now, me as an adult... If I had met her, yeah, I would probably be as cheeky as Harry is to her. Especially if I know that she's on the wrong side of something, which is something we are experiencing increasingly lately. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Bye, guys. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. Jackson here with this week's Potter Pondering. So what would I do in Umbridge's class? Would I get aggressively cheeky like Harry? I think we all know the answer to that is a fuck yes. (laughs) Oh, I would tell the bitch off. I would be telling her where to shove her ministry-approved bullshit. And we can all guess where exactly I'd be telling her to shove it. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. Would I be able to keep my composure in the face of nasty, stinky umbitch? Hell no. No, ma'am. I mean, realistically, teenage Ashley probably would have just cried because, yeah, I was that type of teen. But Ashley, with the knowledge from then to now, 2022, baby, hell no. No, indeed. Ain't no way I'ma almost die and then come back and deal with you and this stupid shit. Oh, we ain't playing those games. We ain't playing those games. What's it gonna do? Can't kick me out for words, man. I'm gonna talk some shit and take my hell. I'ma take it. And then when it get to the I must not tell lies that shit, I'm snitching. I'm sorry. Pride my ass. I'm snitching. I don't like that lady. Thank you so much for your responses. Those were some good ones. Our trivia question last week was, 
What does Hermione threaten Fred and George with when they are giving first years bits of fainting fancies in the common room? She threatens to write to their mother, which the twins find to be a horrifying low blow. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! This is her fourth week in a row. This streak just keeps on going. Mike should probably start to worry about now. I wonder if he's going to let her catch him. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores, Part 1 The news of Harry's shouting match with Umbridge spreads through Hogwarts even faster than news usually does, making dinner in the Great Hall unpleasant for Harry. The whispering around him has gotten worse because now no one seems to mind if he overhears them, like they're hoping he's going to get angry and start shouting again. As Harry listens to his schoolmates talk about how he said he saw Cedric Diggory murdered and dueled with you-know-who, he shakily sets down his knife and fork and wonders why they all believed Dumbledore two months ago when they don't seem to believe him now. Hermione points out that they likely didn't believe, slamming down her own fork and knife and suggesting they leave. On their way out, Harry asks her what she means, and she explains how strange it was after everything, since no one saw what happened in the maze and they only had Dumbledore's word for it. Harry starts to protest that it's the truth, but Hermione cuts him off to remind him that she knows and to stop biting her head off. She continues to explain that before the truth could sink in, everyone went home for the summer, where they spent two months reading how Harry is a nutcase and Dumbledore is going senile. Feeling as though his first day of school has lasted a week, he looks out the window through the rain and still doesn't see a light on in Hagrid's cabin. He has a mountain of homework to do before bed and a dull pounding is developing over his right eye. Hermione gives the fat lady the password, and when her portrait swings forward, the three of them scramble through the opening. Since everyone is down at dinner, the common room is empty aside from Crookshanks. The trio take their three favorite chairs, and an exhausted Harry gazes into the fire. Suddenly, Hermione bursts out, asking how Dumbledore can let that terrible woman teach them during their OWL year. Harry points out that they've never really had great defense against the dark arts teachers, reminding them that Hagrid said it's like the job is cursed. This doesn't make her feel better, and she continues ranting about how Umbridge is actually refusing to let them do magic, and questions what Dumbledore is playing at. Ron adds that she's also trying to get them to spy for her, which just causes Hermione to snap about that being obvious, because why else would Fudge send her there? Harry cuts in to stop them from arguing again, asking if they can just do their homework instead. They retrieve their school bags, and as students begin returning from dinner, Harry diligently avoids looking towards them, though he can sense the stares. Ron suggests they start working on Snape's assignment about the properties of Moonstone and its uses in potion making, and writes that as a title before looking at Hermione for the answer. She is too distracted by Fred, George, and Lee Jordan, who are surrounded by a lot of first-years, all of whom are chewing something from a paper bag in Fred's hand. Hermione looks furious as she stands, saying they've gone too far. She beckons for Ron to go with her, but he tries to talk his way out of it, saying they can't tell them off for giving out sweets. Hermione says that he knows perfectly well that those are bits of nosebleed nuggets or puking pastilles. 
One by one, the first years slump over in their seats, and Harry suggests that they are fainting fancies. Hermione marches over to the twins who stand with clipboards, observing the unconscious students. Ron starts to stand up as well, but decides that Hermione's got it under control and sits back down. She forcefully tells Fred and George that's enough and then argues with them about it. After some back and forth, she begins to threaten them, and Fred wants to know if she's going to put them in detention. George suggests that she'll make them write lines. Onlookers are starting to laugh, but Hermione just angrily tells them no, but she will write their mother. Horrified, George protests that she wouldn't, but Hermione insists that she would. She tells them that she can't stop them eating them themselves, but they will not be giving them to first years. She returns to her seat and acidly gives Ron a sarcastic thanks for his support. Ron mumbles that she handled it fine by herself, but Hermione just looks down at her blank parchment and declares that she can't concentrate and is going to bed. Before she does, she pulls a couple of woolly objects from her bag, places them on a table by the fireplace, and covers them with some crumpled parchment and a broken quill. Ron asks what she's doing, and Hermione explains that they are hats for house elves that she knitted over the summer. Ron's appalled that she's trying to trick them into being freed when they might not want to be, and Hermione immediately insists that they do want to be free and tells Ron he better not touch those hats. After she leaves, he at least clears the trash off of them so they can see what they are picking up. He then packs up his own books because there's no use in trying to do their homework without Hermione. Harry's headache is getting worse and he knows he will regret not doing his homework in the morning, but says he's going to bed too. As he passes Seamus, he gets the impression that his classmate opens his mouth to speak, but Harry just speeds past him. The next day is just as rainy as the previous, and there is still no sign of Hagrid. Ron points out that at least they don't have to deal with Snape, and Hermione is smiling because the hats are gone. She believes this means the elves do want freedom, but Ron thinks the hats might not count as clothes, especially since they look more like woolly bladders than hats. Hermione refuses to speak to him for the rest of the morning, which consists of double charms, then double transfiguration. Both Professor Flitwick and Professor McGonagall start off their lessons lecturing about the importance of OWLs. In charms, they then spend an hour reviewing summoning charms. In transfiguration, they then focus on vanishing charms, which McGonagall informs them are among the most difficult magic they will be tested on in their OWL. She is right, and both Harry and Ron cannot manage to vanish the snails they are practicing on. Hermione successfully vanishes hers on her third attempt, earning 10 points for Gryffindor, as well as being the only one not assigned homework. Now panicking about the amount of homework they have, Harry and Ron spend lunch in the library looking up the uses of moonstones in potion making. Since Hermione is still angry at Ron for the woolly bladders comment, she refuses to join them. By the time they make it to Care of Magical Creatures, Harry's head is aching again. The day is breezy and cool as they make their way down to Hagrid's cabin, where they see Professor Grubblyplank standing about 10 yards from it. They also see Draco and his cronies walking toward them, all laughing over what appears to have been a joke about Harry based on how they keep looking over at him. Once all the Gryffindor and Slytherin fifth years arrive, Grubbly Plank starts class, calling them over to a heap of twigs in front of them and asking what they are. 
Hermione raises her hand and Malfoy mocks her, making Pansy Parkinson laugh until the pile of twigs moves and causes her to scream. The twigs turn out to be tiny, pixie-ish creatures made of wood that cause Parvati and Lavender to ooh over them. This irritates Harry, who feels like they are acting like Hagrid never showed them interesting creatures. Professor Grubblyplank tells the girls to keep their voices down, scatters something that looks like brown rice for the creatures, and calls on Hermione to answer her question. Hermione shares that they are called Bowtruckles, explaining that they are tree guardians and usually live in wand trees. Professor Grubblyplank awards Gryffindor five points and asks if anyone knows what they eat. Again, Hermione answers, stating that they eat wood lice, or fairy eggs if they can get them. This earns her another five points, and Grubbly Plank tells the class that any time they need leaves or wood from a tree with a bow truckle, they should always have a gift of wood lice ready to distract it. They may not look dangerous, but their fingers are extremely sharp and can gouge out human eyes. She informs them that she has enough of them for three people to share one and that they are to study them more closely and make a sketch labeling all of the Bowtruckle's body parts by the end of the lesson. As the class moves towards the table, Harry deliberately goes around the back so he ends up next to Professor Grubblyplank. He asks her where Hagrid is and she tells him not to mind. Malfoy leans over to grab the largest Bowtruckle and smirks at Harry, suggesting that the stupid great oaf got himself badly injured. Harry retorts that maybe he will if he doesn't shut up, and Malfoy responds by saying that maybe he's been messing with stuff that's too big for him. He walks away still smirking, leaving Harry suddenly feeling sick, worrying that Malfoy knows something since his father is a Death Eater. He hurries back to Ron and Hermione and sets himself up to work alongside them before whispering what Malfoy had just said. Hermione is sure that Dumbledore would know if something had happened to Hagrid and says they just have to ignore Malfoy. Harry does not do a good job of this. As he holds the bow truckle still for her, he overhears Malfoy suggesting that since the ministry is cracking down on substandard teaching, even if that overgrown moron does show up, he'll be sent packing straight away. Harry angrily grips the bow truckle so hard he nearly snaps it, and it takes a retaliatory swipe at him, leaving two deep cuts in his hand. He drops it, and it takes off running towards the forest, which causes Crabbe and Goyle to laugh even harder than they had been at the idea of Hagrid being fired. The bell rings, and they march off to Herbology, Harry's hand wrapped in a handkerchief of Hermione's. He begins to snarl a threat about what he'll do if Malfoy calls Hagrid a moron one more time but Hermione cuts him off to remind him that Malfoy is a prefect now and could make life really difficult for him. Harry sarcastically wonders what it would be like to have a difficult life, causing Ron to laugh, but Hermione to frown. He then says that he just wishes Hagrid would hurry up and get back, telling Hermione not to say that that grubbly plank woman is a better teacher. Hermione calmly says that she wasn't going to, but Harry keeps talking, insisting that she'll never be as good as Hagrid, even though he's fully aware that he just experienced an exemplary Care of Magical Creatures lesson and is fully annoyed by it. As they reach the greenhouse doors, they open up and a group of fourth years emerge, including Ginny and Luna Lovegood. Luna sees Harry and heads straight towards him, prompting his classmates to start curiously watching. 
She takes a deep breath and launches straight into telling Harry that she believes he who must not be named is back and that he fought him and escaped. Harry just says, right, and notices that she's wearing what looks like orange radishes as earrings. Parvati and Lavender seem to also have noticed them and are pointing and giggling. Luna thinks that they're laughing at what she said and defends herself, telling them that people used to believe there was no such thing as the blibbering humdinger or the crumplehorn snorkak. Hermione points out that they don't exist, and Luna shoots her a withering look before flouncing away. Harry asks Hermione not to offend the only people who believe him, but Hermione insists that he can do better than Luna since she'll only believe things as long as there's no proof at all. This makes Harry think about the sinister winged horses he saw, but his thoughts are interrupted by Ernie McMillan, who wants Harry to know that it isn't only weirdos who support him, saying that he believes him 100% and his family has always stood firm behind Dumbledore. Harry is taken aback but also pleased and thanks Ernie. His words wipe the smile from Lavender's face, and Seamus looks both confused and defiant. Nobody is surprised when Professor Sprout starts class off by talking about OWLs, which is starting to make Harry anxious, especially when he thinks about how much homework he has. This feeling increases dramatically when Professor Sprout assigns them yet another essay at the end of class, and the Gryffindors all troop back to the castle in near silence after another long day. Since Harry is starving and has his first attention with Umbridge at five, he heads straight for dinner without dropping off his bag. He's barely at the Great Hall when a loud, angry voice calls his name and he turns to see Angelina Johnson. She is upset with him for landing a detention during the Keeper tryouts on Friday and insists that he can ask Professor Umbridge to let him off, saying she doesn't care how he does it, just to make sure he's there. Harry thinks Wood may have died in a training session since Angelina seems to be channeling his spirit, but Ron just wonders what the odds are that Umbridge will even let him off. Harry glumly says that it's less than zero but figures he better at least try and hopes that she doesn't keep him too late since he has so much homework to do. He rattles everything off and Ron groans and looks at the ceiling, adding that it looks like rain too. Hermione wonders what that has to do with homework, and he quickly says, nothing. On one hand, we are doing slightly better than we did in Goblet of Fire, where we had several chapters that were just completely missing from the movie. Yeah. So here, at least the second half of this chapter is actually in the film, and we haven't had many fully missing chapters. Just one, I think. Yeah. However, on the other hand... We have some significantly longer chapters and keep running into the first half being left out of the movie, once again, giving us an episode that has absolutely no movie scenes. Yeah, this chapter was slightly shorter than chapter 12 at only 25 pages long. What? That's it? And the first 13 pages are not included in the movie, which just leaves us to talk about what wasn't included and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So... Let's do that. Let's do it. <laughs> Chapter starts off letting us know that in a castle where gossip spreads like wildfire, mm -hmm. the news of Harry's shouting match with Umbridge has spread even more quickly than expected. I imagine it would. I mean, I can't see people staying quiet on that. Yeah. And if dinner wasn't already unpleasant for Harry, 
-hmm. It is now even more so because it went from people whispering and stop talking when he shows up to just whispering loud enough for him to hear in hopes that he gets angry again and starts shouting. Maybe they'll get more information. Yeah, well, more information and everybody just wants to see Potter explode. I think it's more about hoping that he's going to give them more details. That too. But people are talking about how he thinks he dueled with you-know-who and managed to escape but saw Cedric Diggory die and just whatever. Yeah, right. There's no way. Who does he think he is type talk? Mm -hmm. What a liar. Attention-seeking asshole. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Potter the plotter. Exactly. So clever. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But he ends up setting down his fork and knife, just kind of losing his appetite, and says he doesn't understand why they all believed Dumbledore two months ago, and now they're being super sus about it. Did they, though? (laughs) That's exactly what Hermione says. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm not so sure they did. But she slams down her own fork and knife. She's kind of fed up with it as well. And she just suggests that they leave. So on the way out, Harry asks her, what she means by they didn't believe it. Because, you know, he's a little thick. Definitely not a Ravenclaw. Nope. But Hermione explains that from everyone else's perspective, because they couldn't see over the giant ass hedges. Mm-hmm. They had no idea what was going on in the maze. They had no idea that Harry and Cedric went anywhere. They knew absolutely nothing until Harry just reappears and starts telling everybody that Cedric's dead and... Yeah. Voldemort's back. Yeah, which, when you look at it objectively, from that viewpoint, I can kind of see how you'd be like, wait, did Harry just kill Cedric and blame Voldemort? Like, Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that Harry killed Cedric himself and is blaming Voldemort, but it kind of sounds like Harry killed Cedric and is blaming Voldemort, right? And you know that that's what the Slytherins thought. Oh, of course. At least some of them. If they didn't think it, that's at least what they were saying. Because I'm sorry, it's the most plausible reasoning. And far less horrifying than Voldemort's back. Exactly. Way more comforting to feel as though your classmate just flat out murdered somebody and is blaming it on an evil dark wizard than the idea that maybe said dark evil wizard has returned and is going to fucking kill us all. Oh, for sure. And then on top of that, not only is it a little bit more plausible and probably comfortable to believe, Mm -hmm. not that I'm sure kids want to believe that their classmate is a murderer. But I mean, it's still better than Voldemort. Probably. But on top of that, everybody goes home for the summer Mm-hmm. And have zero contact with Harry or Dumbledore. All they get is articles in the Daily Prophet that's just completely shit posting on both of them. Yeah, there's really, I mean, there was nothing to say that what the Prophet was saying wasn't right. And that's all they had. It's pure propaganda. But in the case of the Wizarding World, it works. Because where else are they going to get their news? The Quibbler's full of shit. For now. For now. But... <laughs> How many people use that as a reason to not believe the Quibbler when it is telling Oh, I'm sure plenty. Do you know what I mean? So, again, there's really not many other places to go. And then on top of that, it was one night in one quick speech where Dumbledore said, Ministry doesn't want me to tell you this, but Voldy's back. Mm Mm-hmm. Cedric died. Yeah. Harry risked himself to bring his body back. 
raise a glass, yeah. everyone go home, one night, one quick speech, compared to two months straight. Yeah, exactly. I feel like anyone would drink the Kool-Aid in that situation. Yeah, probably. Yeah, if they're not personally on the inside themselves. Yeah. But all things combined with the horrible schedule that they had. Mm-hmm. Double history of magic, divination, double potions. And defense against the dark arts. With Umbridge. With Umbridge that gets Harry a shouting match. Ugh. And people whispering and talking about him even more. Mm-hmm. On top of that, they have all of the homework. Mm-hmm. And Harry's gotten detention. So the first day of school feels like it's lasted about a whole week. Right? <laughs> Harry's just like, it's got to be about June now, right? <laughs> Did I miss Christmas? I feel like I missed Christmas. And because the book just really has to drive in the fact that Hagrid is missing, there's even a mention here of how Harry looks out the window and still doesn't see a light on in Hagrid's cabin. Oh, this is not a Shel Silverstein book. There is no light in the attic. <laughs> no light in Hagrid's cabin. <laughs> the hits just keep on coming. It is definitely where the sidewalk ends. Yes. <laughs> but he's thinking about this mountain of homework that he has to do before he goes to bed, and his head is starting to pound. Understandably, I would say. Very much so, yeah. They make it to the portrait of the fat lady and Hermione gives her the password, swings open, and it's just blissfully empty except for Crookshanks since mm -hmm. everybody's still down at dinner. So they all take their chairs right by the fire that they like and Harry just like collapses into it and just stares at the fire. Just needs a moment. Yeah. It's been a hell of a first day of school. Mm -hmm. And he's super startled when Hermione just basically yells, how can Dumbledore let that terrible woman teach us during our OWL year? <laughs> I love that that's her takeaway. It's not so much that Dumbledore's letting that awful woman teach them. She's teaching them during their OWL year. Because he totally chose that year for this to happen. Right? <laughs> this was to spite you, Hermione. Yeah, this was all to fuck you up, Hermie. Like and then Harry's follow-up to this... Kind of makes me mad a little bit because he tells her that it's not like we've really had a good defense against the dark arts teacher. Hello? <laughs> Lupin. <laughs> Lupin. Excuse me. Even Barty Crouch Jr. wasn't terrible. I mean, I'm pretty sure that all of the shit that he also did kind of negates the teaching portion. They didn't get to finish the year either. At least they did magic. They did do magic. Just saying. At least he taught them fucking defense. Okay, so, you know... Quirrell and Lockhart, pretty useless. Yeah. But Lupin was awesome. Lupin was banging, man. Fake Moody was really interesting. <laughs> if not also very psychotic. You know. They definitely learned loads, as Dean put it. They definitely did, for sure. So I'm just saying, Harry, half of your teachers taught you shit. Right? Maybe don't be a dick about it. I'm just throwing that out there. But I also think that his focus was really more on the fact that they never make it past a year. Oh, yeah. And he mentions how Hagrid said it's like the job is cursed. Dun-dun-dun. Mm Dun-dun-dun. -hmm. He's got a lot to be upset about right now, so. It's just been one thing after another. Mm -hmm. 
But it's Hermione that's the really emotional one in this moment, and nothing Harry has said has made her feel any better, so she just keeps on ranting about how Umbridge is actually refusing to let them do magic. Like you said, at least fake Moody let them do magic. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit too much. Maybe some inappropriate magic, but magic nonetheless. But then she also again questions what Dumbledore is playing at. It's cute that she thinks Dumbledore actually had any say in this. Right? I don't see Dumbledore giving in on this easily. However, at a certain point, I'm sure he was like, it, this is not worth the fight. Nothing good is going to come out of fighting this. Well, he literally couldn't find another option. Yeah. And that's how they got her in there. The ministry made up that rule that if Dumbledore cannot find a suitable candidate, the ministry will provide one. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to take the job because they think that it's cursed. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's cursed. Not to mention all the shit that's been going around about Dumbledore being a nutter and him losing a lot of clout. I'm sure that's not helping anything yeah, either. I mean I'm not applying for that job. Those qualifications on my boss, I mean... I might still. I mean, I would never apply for the job because I would jump off Gryffindor Tower before becoming a teacher, but I'm not as strong <laughs> as you are, Ellen. <laughs> there are some days where I'm not sure I am either, but yay, it's summer! Anyway, Ron tries to join in in her ranting and mentions how she's also trying to get them to spy for her. And Hermione just snaps that that's obvious, Ronald. <laughs> because why else would Fudge send her there? Like, clearly he wants a spy at Hogwarts. Duh, Ronald. And Harry has to stop them from arguing again because he's just so tired of it. But instead of just full on snapping at them this time, he distracts them and suggests that they just do their homework instead. Mm-hmm. So they all get out their school bags. And at this point, the students start returning from the great hall after dinner. And Harry's just like, must do homework. Must not look at students. Must do homework. Must not look. Must do homework. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. He puts vision. on his emaciated horsey bird blinders. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but he can still sense people staring at him. Well, yeah, they got to be drilling holes in the back of his head with their eyes. Oh my gosh, it would be so frustrating to be in that situation. Right? I'm not even going to lie. I might be one of the people, like, just staring at him. Not necessarily because I don't believe him. Not because, you know, anything. Just the mere spectacle of it. It's like a train wreck. Yeah. Everybody's rubbernecking. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But anyway... Ron says they should start with Snape's assignment about the properties of Moonstone and its uses in potion making. And he writes that out as the title on the top of his parchment and gives it a good underline and then turns to Hermione and says, so what are the properties of Moonstone and its uses in potion making? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hermione actually does not have an answer to this question. What? Well, it's not because she doesn't know. It's because she's super distracted by Fred George and Lee Jordan, who are just surrounded by a whole bunch of first years that mm -hmm. are all eating something that Fred has clearly given them out of a paper bag that he's holding. Never a good sign, ever. Oh, no, not at all. And a very pissed Hermione stands up, declares that they've gone too far and tells Ron to come on. And Ron's like, no, they're, 
We can't tell them off for handing out sweets. I don't, also, I don't want to. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Except he's not going to blatantly say that. He's going to make excuses. Yeah. They're just giving out sweets. We can't tell them off for that. Mm-hmm. And Hermione just says, you know perfectly well that those are bits of nosebleed nugget or puking pastilles. And then as the first years start to just slump in their seats, Harry's just like, perhaps they're fainting fancies. We do see a reference to this moment in the movie scene, but it is definitely not the same. So we'll talk about that next week when we actually, you know, get to said movie scene. Yeah. But in the book... Hermione just marches on over to the twins, and they're both standing there with clipboards, just making notes, observing <laughs> the unconscious students. I really, in my mind, I picture them in, like, white robes and, like, white doctor's <laughs> coats or something. Like, tell me how that made you feel. <laughs> yes. Or hitting them on the knees to see if they're having <laughs> reactions with the little hammer thingies. Right. Ron actually does stand up. And kind of check progress and decides that Hermione's doing just fine and sits back down. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to get involved in this. And I'm Ron. <laughs> she really does have a good handle on this because she just, with all of the authority she can muster, tells them that that is enough. Mm -hmm. And naturally, they argue with her. Of course they do. Just kind of going back and forth like, well, we're paying them. Mm -hmm. Also, what are you going to do about it? Well, she starts to tell them what she's going to do about it. And Fred cuts her off to say, what, are you going to put us in detention? Ooh. And George is like, no, she's going to make us write lines. Ooh. And of course, there's an audience that all starts to laugh at this because they absolutely think that Fred and George have just got the best of Prefect Hermione. Mm -hmm. But Hermione just says, no, I will write to your mother, though. Oh, which was our trivia question? It sure was. Mm-hmm. Naturally, this absolutely horrifies the twins. Well, yeah. George says you wouldn't. <laughs> you bitch. And Hermione says, oh, I would. Try me. <laughs> and she ultimately tells them that she can't stop them from eating mm -hmm. them themselves. But they will not be giving them to first Which, years. I mean, that's a pretty low bar to set. I mean... Because theoretically, they could just go get some second years and be like, well, you said no first year, so. <laughs> right. And honestly, I mean, I can kind of see where she's coming from. Well, yeah. Because even though they have thoroughly tested them on themselves, right now, like they said, they're just trying to do market research and they're trying to make sure that everybody has the same reaction to it because you don't want people getting sick for real. Yeah. Well, of course. It's fine if they're going to faint and then it'll wake right back up. But the thing is, considering that Lee Jordan has to go around and put the other end into their mouths so they do wake back up, you totally have to have an accomplice for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is part of, I think, the appeal. Because yeah. then it gets your friend out with you. Yeah. So that makes sense. But at the same time, you got to really trust that fucking friend. Right? To not just, like, leave you in a hallway somewhere. Right. So I can kind of see why Hermione is very concerned about this. Mm-hmm. Honestly, since they're paying them, I guess it's not the worst thing ever. But why first years? That just seems really shady. Yeah, that's, I mean, 
You're talking about underage kids. I mean, they all are for the most part. Yes, but you're talking about 11-year-olds. <laughs> Granted, 11-year-olds probably still eat dirt, but... Or worse. Or worse, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I mean, that doesn't mean that they're okay to consent to what essentially is medical testing. Yeah. Considering these are things that have bodily effects on them. By non-doctors at that. Yeah. I actually think it would be really interesting to have our keepers weigh in on this, so I think it would make a good pondering. I dig it. But anyway, Hermione goes back to her seat but gives Ron a thanks for the support. Ronald. Hmm. And Ron just mumbles, you handled it just fine yourself. I don't see why you needed me. You, you, you had it. You had it. Mm-hmm. You didn't need me. I'd have just gotten in the way. It was good. You were good. You did great. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Hermione. 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 But really, Hermione just looks down at her blank parchment, where instead of writing anything down about moonstones, she just says that she can't concentrate and is going to bed. But before she does, she pulls out a couple of wooly objects from her bag. Mm-hmm. And then hides them under trash on a table by the fireplace. Like she just gets some crumpled parchment and a broken quill and just piles them on top of these wooly looking things. Yeah. Which makes Ron say, what are you doing? Yeah, the fuck is that? And she explains that there are hats for house elves. She knitted them by hand over the summer. I'm sorry? Exactly what Ron says. You're trying Mm -hmm. to trick them into being freed when they may not want to be freed? And Hermione says, of course they want to be free. Oh. And threatens Ron, saying he better not touch those hats. Though she doesn't clarify what she will do if he does. Just says he better not. See, this is why we definitely need to do a Potterheads episode about house elves, because... This is such a weird gray line. Right? This is such a weird, blurry-ass gray line. Like, I I don't know where I stand on it. It's weird. I feel like I can argue both sides and still not know which one I actually agree with. Right? Yeah, no, we definitely need to do this episode after we get in Ashley's episode because we owe her one. Definitely, yes. And time just keeps getting away from us. It (laughs) does. Maybe we can record hers in person in July when we see her down at LeakyCon. Ooh, that would be fun. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do a thing. We'll bring mics. Ellen, let's do, let's a, do thing. a thing. <laughs> we'll do a thing. We're going to do a thing, guys. We're plotting, Ashley. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, back to our chapter. Hermione goes to bed and Ron, to be fair, doesn't technically touch the hats. Mm-hmm. He does clear the trash off of them so the elves can at least see what they're picking up. Yeah, he doesn't touch the hats. He touches the trash. Yeah. And then he packs up his own books because why would he try doing homework without Hermione? Oh, that's just silly. That's like me trying to write a podcast without you. (laughs) (laughs) And even though Harry's headache is getting worse and he knows that skipping doing homework tonight is going to become a major regret for him come the morning oh it's gonna fuck him he just says fuck it i'm going to bed too (laughs) and he gets up and he starts walking upstairs but has to go right past seamus who opens his mouth to start to say something and harry just puts on his emaciated horsey bird blinders and keeps on keeping on probably the right call yeah all things considered yeah 
He has a headache. He's tired. It's been a long first day. Mm-hmm. And the good news is the next day starts off just as bad. Just as rainy as the previous day. Still no sign of Hagrid. And Ron tries to be optimistic and say, at least we don't have to deal with Snape today. I mean, on any other occasion, that would be an upside. And it's not that it's a downside in this case either, mind you. It's just a very, very, very thin sliver of sunlight on mm-hmm. this otherwise blech day. It's like the temperature going from 37 degrees Fahrenheit to 39 degrees Fahrenheit. You're Ooh. still fucking freezing. Yeah. Technically not, but... Well, you know what I mean. God damn it, Ellen. <laughs> I don't need your science bullshit, Ellen. All right? But anyway, <laughs> Hermione is actually smiling because the hats are gone, and she's decided that this means the elves do want freedom. Yeah. And Ron's just over there saying, I don't know, man. Those may not count as clothes. They didn't even really look like hats. They looked more like woolly bladders. <laughs> And I'm sure this is going to surprise you, but Hermione refuses to speak to him for the rest of the morning. What? That's Which has crazy. to be an improvement to the bickering, for Harry at least. Very true, yeah. Silence is sometimes better than any noise at all. Yeah, but they have to make it through double charms and then double transfiguration. Getting the silent treatment from Hermione. Yeah, but at least you got McGonagall to entertain and whatnot. Well, I don't know if entertaining is really what's happening because both Professor Flitwick and McGonagall start off their lessons lecturing about the importance of OWLs. Okay, so... So, like I said, day two, not that much better than day one. This is the longest fucking school year ever. (laughs) Right? So far, this has been the longest book leading up to the school year ever and now that the school year has started it's just the longest fucking school year ever yeah in charms they spend the rest of the hour reviewing summoning charms so that's at least got to be nice for harry something that he's good Mm -hmm. at i mean it's no expelliarmus but you know (laughs) (laughs) and then in transfiguration they then focused on vanishing charms which McGonagall says is among the most difficult magic that they will be tested on for their OWL, Mm. which she is clearly not exaggerating because both Harry and Ron can't banish anything, let alone the snail that they're practicing on. Awesome. Hermione, of course, manages to vanish hers on her third attempt because the third time's a charm and she's Hermione. Exactly. That makes sense. She gets 10 points for Gryffindor, and she's the only one that doesn't get homework because everybody else has to practice said vanishing charms. That probably made her sad. Like, oh, (laughs) but homework. (laughs) I mean, I am very much a Hermione, and I don't really get upset when I've mastered something and don't have to practice it more and more and more. Well, true. I'm just over Hermioneing the Hermione, I guess. This gives her time to do other things. Like read for leisure and knit and knit hats <laughs> or woolly bladders. Or bladders, yes. 
So being assigned to practice vanishing spells on top of all of their other homework have Harry and Ron panicking, so they actually spend lunch in the library working on their Moonstone essay for Snape. Because Hermione is still mad at Ron for the Wooly Bladders comment, she won't join them. I kind of can't blame her. Ron can be a dick sometimes. Right. Real talk, it was funny as shit, but (laughs) I can kind of see why that would piss off Hermione. Just saying. Definitely hurt her feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she worked really hard on those hats, too. Right. And she couldn't use magic for him, so she literally did that by hand. It's one thing to insult her idea. It's another thing to insult her hats. She worked hard on them. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not cool. Not cool, Ron. Rude. But considering that they're not allowed to eat in the library, I assume this means they just don't get to eat lunch. (laughs) Which is not going to do anything to help Harry's mood, I'm sure. No, not at all. Because now he's going to be hangry. Right? And then on top of that, by the time they make it to care of magical creatures, his head is just pounding. Mm. It's at least stopped raining, although the day is just kind of breezy and cool, and they make their way down to Hagrid's cabin, where they meet up with Professor Grubblyblank, even though I guess that's just like the universal known agreed meeting spot for the class. Yeah. Makes the most sense, at least. Yeah, right by the edge of the forest. Eventually, he'll be back and taking over for it. She's just there temporarily. Yeah. We also see Nazi von Nuschbag II, or VD2. (laughs) and his two little boulders not little (laughs) well for boulders they're little yeah human boulders there you go human boulders but they're walking towards them all laughing over something that seems to be a joke about harry because they all keep staring at him i mean when the slytherins are laughing the odds are is it's about harry like, short of wearing a neon sign that says, joke's on you, Harry, <laughs> the way they were handling it made it pretty obvious. Yeah. But once all of the Gryffindor and Slytherin fifth years are there for the class, Grubbly Blank starts it and directs them all over to a heap of twigs, wanting to know what they are. Naturally, Hermione raises her hand, and VD2 decides to be himself, and... Jumps up and down, raising his hand, mocking her. Of Probably course. still doing a buck tooth thing, since he's not that observant. <laughs> and oh, doesn't yeah. realize she fixed her teeth. Oh, he doesn't care if she fixed her teeth or not. That's always going to be a thing for him. His imitation of Hermione causes Pansy Parkinson to laugh, but her laugh immediately shifts into a scream because the pile of twigs moves. And they realize those are not twigs. <laughs> They are, in fact, little tiny pixie-ish creatures that appear to be made out of wood. And Parvati and Lavender both see them and go, ooh. Like Barty Crouch, senior. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. But this really irritates Harry because he feels like they're acting like Hagrid never showed them any interesting creatures ever. Right? And he's just like... Hagrid showed cool things too, guys. I mean, that's what they did the last time Hagrid was gone too. Is they were just like, "Oh, she's so smart! Oh my gosh!" Ah. Ooh, Ooh. unicorns, right? Professor Grubblyplank tells them to shut up. Basically, keep your voices down. You're gonna scare them. Sure. 
And she distracts the creatures by scattering something that to Harry looks like brown rice. That can't be good. <laughs> and then calls on Hermione to answer her question because she still has her hand in the air. You know that she's not going to lower it till she gets to answer a question. Well, yeah. But Hermione knows that they are called Bowtruckles and says that they are tree guardians and usually live in trees that have wand quality wood. Ah, wandwood trees. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> this gets her five points for Gryffindor and then yet another five points when Grubbly Flank asks if anyone knows what they eat. And it is again Hermione who knows the answers, explaining that they eat wood lice. Which makes Harry say, oh, that was what looked like brown rice. No, wood lice. It was the wood lice, not brown rice. <laughs> wood lice. Title, wood lice, not brown rice. Ew. But Hermione also says that they like fairy eggs if they can get them, which is kind of sad. I mean, but my understanding is fairies are kind of dicks, so. The pixies are dicks. Are fairies dicks? I think the fae are kind of dicks, depending Depends on the fae, for sure. Sure. But Grubbly Plank informs the class that anytime they need to get leaves or wood from a tree with a bow truckle, they should have the wood lice prepared to distract the bow truckle. Because even though they don't look very dangerous, those little fingers are really sharp and they can gouge out human eyes if they want to. Pickett would never do that. He might if he didn't like you. No. True, but he would just... Be so adorable it would kill you. <laughs> That's all Pickett needs to I do. I feel like Pickett would happily have gouged out... Umbridge's eyes? The eyes of anybody that crossed Newt. Well, true. And since you brought up Pickett, I do have to say that I wish that we could have seen a bow truckle here. Mm-hmm. Because getting to see all of the creatures in Fantastic Beasts is definitely one of the best things about it. Yeah. And it makes me super sad that we didn't get that as much in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah. It would have been nice to have, like, an early introduction to Bowtruckles, too. My concern is that they would have done it wrong. Well, there is that. Grubbly Plank tells the class that she has enough Bowtruckles for there to be one per three people. Mm -hmm. And that she wants them all to... Observe them more closely and make a sketch labeling all of the bow truckles body parts. Their body parts are just sticks, right? Just so stick, 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 stick. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the the stick leg, the stick leg, the stick arm, the head, the eyes, the little eye gougy fingers. I mean, okay, so that's still a pretty damn easy quiz. Just saying. And they have the whole lesson for it. So yeah, it should be pretty easy. Right? Not the way that Harry's life has been going so far, though. And of course... He is way more concerned about Hagrid than he is about anything else in this moment. And when everybody goes to collect their bow truckles, he goes around the back of the table so that he ends up right next to Grubbly Plank mm -hmm. and says, where's Hagrid? <laughs> and then again gets the same answer that she gave him in Prisoner of Azkaban. Never you mind. Never you mind. But this time he's distracted by Nazi von Douchebag II, who leans over him, pardon my reach, to grab the largest bow truckle and just smirks at Harry, suggesting that the stupid great oaf got himself badly injured. Motherfucker, I will cut you. Basically, Harry says, yeah, well, if you keep talking, maybe you'll get injured. Oh, that's Harry talking the truth. 
And then Malfoy responds by saying that maybe Hagrid's been messing with stuff that's too big for him. Hoink. That's what she said. Ah! (laughs) Except in this situation, as he walks away smirking, it leaves Harry feeling sick to his stomach. Mm. Because that was a very leading comment. It was. And he starts worrying that maybe Malfoy knows something because his father's a murder muncher. I mean, of course he knows something. We already got the dogging comment earlier. This is two. Yeah. That's not coincidence, baby. It's just not. No. So Harry hurries back to Ron and Hermione and he sets himself up to pretend like he's going to work alongside them when really he just starts repeating what BD2 said. Mm-hmm. And Hermione is trying to reassure Harry saying that she's sure Dumbledore would know if something happened to Hagrid. Yeah. She tries to tell Harry that they just have to ignore Malfoy, but you know Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easier said than done. Yeah. And it's definitely not something done because as he's trying to hold the bow truckle still for Hermione to draw its face, he can hear Malfoy suggesting that since the ministry is cracking down on the substandard teaching, that even if that overgrown moron does come back, they're going to send him packing right away. Motherfucker, did I mention I'll cut you? Speaking of getting cut, (laughs) Harry squeezes the bow truckle so hard he nearly snaps the poor thing. Aww. And it retaliates by taking a swipe at him with his little sharp fingers. Well, yeah. And it leaves two cuts in his hand. I'm sorry. Kind of deserve that. Like deep cuts. Like he is bleeding. Yeah. It causes Harry to drop the little bow truckle and the thing takes off running towards the forest. He's just like, get me out of here. Peace out, motherfuckers. Freedom. (laughs) And then this just increases the laughter coming from Crab and Goyle that started when Malfoy was cracking jokes about Hagrid being sacked. So Mm -hmm. it's just regular old comedy hour and care of magical creatures today. Yep. As per usual. Thankfully, the bell rings. And they get to head off to Herbology. Harry's got his hand wrapped up in one of Hermione's handkerchiefs. And he's just like, oh, if Malfoy calls Hagrid a moron one more time. I'm a cut that motherfucker. I'm a cut a bitch. I'm a cut a bitch. But Hermione reminds him that Malfoy's a prefect now. And he's got to be really careful or else he'll make life really difficult for him. Well, you know what? He needs to be really careful or Harry Potter is going to pre-fuck him up. Actually, Harry just sarcastically wonders what it would be like to have a difficult life. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes Ron laugh, but Hermione frowns. I think she's pretty fed up with Harry's sarcasm slash feels bad that shit has been really difficult for him lately. I mean, after a while, it's a little hard to take. (laughs) The oh, woe is me. And she's been around it all summer. And I mean, I kind of can't blame her. But at the same time, that was fucking funny. So. (laughs) But Harry's smart enough to change the subject and say that he just wishes Hagrid would hurry up and get back. And then he says, and don't you say that grubbly plank woman is a better teacher. Okay. Which makes Hermione say, I wasn't gonna. Oh, shit. Like throwing her hands up. Like, wasn't gonna. Mm Mm-mm. But Harry just keeps on going, saying she'll never be as good as Hagrid, even though he's 
fully aware that that care of magical creatures lesson was exemplary and he's just super fucking annoyed by it yeah this was a really good class god damn it <laughs> man fuck grubbly plank she's like a fucking good teacher <laughs> fuck this noise guys going home but anyway they make it to the greenhouse doors which open up as a group of fourth years emerge including jenny Mm-hmm. And Luna Lovegood, who sees Harry and just beelines right towards him. Oh, that's always fun. Like, eyes bugging out. Doesn't even say hi or anything. Just says, I believe he who must not be named is back and that you fought him and escaped. Thank you? Harry just says, right. <laughs> so, yeah, basically. I mean, at the same time, though. Beggars can't be choosers when you're looking at people to support you, you know? Well, he does notice that she's wearing what looks like orange radishes for earrings, and Parvati and Lavender have also noticed them, and they are pointing and giggling. They are such little bitches. So, she's not exactly making a good case for herself as being a stable person to believe in you. No, she's not, but also Parvati and Lavender are bitches. Well, yes. And Luna thinks that they're laughing at what she said and not at her earrings. So she is just completely going to double down. Mm-hmm. And she tells him that people used to believe that there were no such thing as the blibbering humdinger or the crumplehorn snorkack. Hermione, being Hermione, has to point out that the blibbering humdinger and the crumplehorn snorkack don't exist. Which just makes Luna shoot her a withering look before she flounces away. Hermione, the carriages also pull themselves, don't they? Right. Harry says, please don't offend the only people who believe in me. (laughs) See? Kind of like what you said. Yeah. But Hermione insists that he can do better than Luna because she'll only believe in things as long as there's no proof at all. That's kind of a shitty thing to say. To be fair, it is Ginny who told her that. Yeah. It's also kind of true about Luna. It is, but at the same time, like, she's whimsical, goddammit. She's whimsical, and she's just very open-minded. As long as something hasn't been proved to not exist. Yeah. She's willing to believe that it could exist. Existent until proven otherwise. Right. I wish I still had that kind of trust in blind faith and things anything like i say in <laughs> things yes to be young and uncynical ah uh, those were the days my friend that was terrible never mind <laughs> moving on yeah this makes harry think about the emaciated horsey birds that he saw but his thoughts are then interrupted by ernie mcmillan who wants harry to know that it's not only weirdos who support him and pompous though he is Ernie says, I believe you 100%. And my family has always stood behind Dumbledore. This is good. This is a good thing. However, I can't help but remember when Ernie was talking shit about Harry being the heir of Slytherin. I mean, this was three years ago now. I feel like Ernie has been trying to make up for how he treated Harry in their second year. All right, I'll give you that. We just discussed this. I'm super cynical, in case you haven't <laughs> noticed. Fair enough. I judge everything that everybody does. <laughs> to be fair, 
his words take Harry aback too. Mm-hmm. But he does manage to feel pleased about it and thank him. Yeah. Which, good on you. Yeah. And the best thing about Ernie's words is they completely wipe the smile from Lavender's face. And it makes Seamus look both confused and defiant. So Seamus is having this internal battle over there. Like, I kind of believe Harry. I've known him for a really long time. But at the same time, he's totally crazy. I don't know what to think. (laughs) To absolutely nobody's surprise. Professor Sprout starts class off by talking about OWLs. Wait, are those coming up this year? Is that Must a thing? Must be. What? Huh. Harry's starting to absolutely lose his shit, <laughs> especially when he keeps thinking about all of this homework that's piling up, mm-hmm. which then increases dramatically because Professor Sprout assigns them yet another essay. More on the pile. Good Lord, guys. And this is all handwritten shit, too. What are we, back in the 90s? Oh, wait. Yeah, we are. Never mind. Yeah. It's also in a magical world that doesn't have computers or typewriters. So. There's that, too. But by the end of this class, everybody is so exhausted that they just troop back to the castle without talking at all. Like, nobody's having any kind of conversation. They're all just like, I'm so tired. <laughs> I just have to go eat something. I might just go to bed. I have so much homework to do. <laughs> but it's all happening internally. Nobody's mm-hmm. really talking. And considering that Harry and Ron skipped lunch, Harry's starving and he has his first detention with Umbridge at five. So he has to go straight to the Great Hall and get dinner before that or else he's just not going to get to eat that day. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even drop off his bag. He just goes right for the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. And is barely there when Angelina Johnson starts yelling at him. That's a scary moment. <laughs> She's mad because one of his detentions with Umbridge happens to fall during the Keeper tryouts. Yeah, I can see her wanting Harry there for that. Which she already said that she did. Yeah. And she says that she doesn't care how he does it. Even if it means that he has to pretend like Voldemort is just a figment of his imagination, he needs to go to Umbridge and get out of that detention on Friday. He's got to be there. Has she been possessed by Oliver Wood? That's exactly what Harry thinks. Harry thinks that Oliver Wood must have died during a training session (laughs) since Angelina seems to be channeling his spirit. Yeah, she's totally possessed currently. Yeah. Even though I think that comment was hilarious... Ron is just completely caught up on the odds of whether or not Umbridge would even let him off. No, 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 sir. Sir, no. Just have I mentioned no? Because no. Yeah. As Harry says, less than zero. Mm -hmm. But he has to at least try. I mean, I guess you try. I I wouldn't even try. I mean, that right there is exactly why he's Gryffindor, because you got to have some balls of fucking steel. To ask that woman to let you out of a detention that you got because you screamed at her. (laughs) Yeah. For a sports tryout. That's not even for your position. Right. That's, oh, sir. Yeah, that's a a hard pass. He also says that he hopes that she doesn't keep him too late since he has so much homework to do. And I feel like he jinxed himself right then and there. Mm Mm-hmm. Which we'll end up talking about next week. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
But when he rattles off all of the homework that he has to do, Ron just groans and looks at the ceiling saying it looks like rain too, which makes Hermione wonder what that has to do with homework. And Ron says nothing. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with the homework. Nothing. Just rain. Nothing at all. Just rain sucks. But that is where we cut off the book chapter. Good times. And since there were no movie scenes, we have no actors to talk about. Yada, yada, yada. So moving on. Let's just go to the Potter pondering. Yeah, for sure. Which is, do you think that Hermione is right to try to stop Fred and George from testing their products on first year students? Hmm. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Zach Thurston. He writes, I am a Hufflepuff. My wand is ebony wood with a dragon core, 13 inches and a slightly yielding flexibility. My Patronus is a deerhound. My best friend's mom was my third grade teacher and read them to us. Ever since, I've been completely immersed. I had a very difficult childhood growing up, going through divorces and moving houses, and Harry Potter was my one true escape from reality. I started out reading the books, but now listen to them. I am currently on my 32nd time through the series. I also have all the movies on my phone, so there isn't a day that goes by that I don't watch, read, or listen to Harry Potter. My office is completely Harry Potter themed. I sit in front of a large Great Hall drapery, so it looks like I'm at the head table. I made it to the final round to be on Hogwarts Tournament of Houses. Was offered to go sit in the audience, but I was unable to go. I enjoy both hosting and competing in competitive Harry Potter trivia. I have been to both Universal and Warner Brothers in London, Elephant House, where J.K. wrote the book in Scotland, The Lake, where Harry flew Beaky, and the iconic Steam Train Bridge. That's pretty badass. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Zach. It's so cool that you made it to the final round to be on Hogwarts Tournament of Houses. Mm-hmm. What a bummer that it didn't work out to sit in the audience. Yeah, seriously. Thanks again for the Sorting Hat story. It's pretty awesome. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is... Where does Harry find Ron hiding after his Thursday detention with Professor Umbridge? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag super stealthy will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.